0: Welcome back to the Equine Connection Podcast. Today, just have a really special guest. We are very excited to have on Casey Deary, a trainer, a rider, a championship rider that we're going to talk about. But hello, Casey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Oh, yeah. We're, we're just so excited to be able to talk to you today and, and, and a little bit about what you've been up to. But can we just jump into it? And can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So my wife and
1: I run a business called Deary Performance Horses in Weatherford, Texas, um, and we specialize in reigning horses. So we we kind of have our finger on every part of that, that industry, from the very high-end, uh, open-caliber horses to the beginner lessons and everything in between, from the youth riders to the uh, older select riders. Um, we have four children that have all been – involved in this business one way or the other. Uh, and as they've grown older, they've you know moved on to their sports that they, uh, that they have chosen to pursue. And then uh, my, my two daughters still ride quite a bit with us there.
0: I, learning about you and your life and seeing things on your website and everything, how do you do it all? I, I just got to tip my hat to you <laughs> with four wow. kids as busy as you are.
1: It, it is 100% by the grace of God and a wife that works hard as I do. So
0: mm-hmm. it, so
1: that's, that's the only way we manage to keep it going and keep ourselves sane.
0: <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, looking back on, on your childhood, our listeners and, and anybody that, that's been around horses, when did your love for them really begin in your life?
1: You know, I think I had the bug from the time I was born uh, i was I was born into a a wonderful family. I have amazing parents that were you know they they did everything they could possibly do to to raise us and provide for us and give us opportunities. but the horses were just not something that was you know really in the budget, and uh, they didn't really know anything about it so uh, I can remember as a small child walking walking to the neighbor's place and stealing mom's carrots and and uh, feeding the horses through the fence when i was really little Mm -hmm. um and then once i was 15 years old i had uh believe it or not i had saved up a little money from some modeling jobs that i'd done back when i was cute (laughs) and uh and i I bought my first horse through the newspaper and so that's kind of what i did through all of high school was just buy and sell horses through the you know the dallas morning news or whatever newspaper i could run that stuff on and i'd you know i'd flip them every four or five weeks or months or whatever I had them and just make a little here and there. And, uh, that kind of bloomed into a business.
0: I think we all can just kind of trace back to that, that magic moment when you connect to a horse and it just, it changes your life, right? Like it just, you, you just know that's your path, right?
1: It It really, from an early age, I felt called to, even though I was not, Born into this world, or uh, you know, really had any idea how the, the horse show world operated. Uh, I knew I loved a horse, and and I knew that uh, I knew that was the direction that I that my life was headed. So it it's all been obviously a huge learning curve early on, and uh, you know, took a lot of lot of long hours and a lot of work to to make it happen. But um, it, I can tell you that. When all of my friends were going out and partying and doing stupid stuff, I was going to bed early so I could get up and go back to work the next morning. So I, I definitely think that the horses gave me a focus and a passion, you know, to, to keep me on the right path going through school.
0: No, absolutely. I always, I always tell my, my friends, get your, get your kids involved with horses. It, it will keep them straight. <laughs>
1: it's absolutely. But they don't have time to do anything else. So it, that's absolutely right.
0: It is, it is, it is. Now, reading your story, you had a life-changing riding accident early on in your career. How did that affect your connection with horses?
1: Uh, you know what? It was, it was early in my, my relationship with a horse. Um, I think maybe I was. it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school. Um and it was a horse that I had actually bought as a baby foal and raised, and it was really a sweet, kind horse, just kind of a fluke accident. Um, but I had ridden him six or eight times and I went to ride through a gate and no problem opening it, closing it. And I was leaned over closing the gate and something spooked him and he jumped sideways and um he drug me, I don't know, 30 or so feet by my foot in the stirrup, and I bit a pipe fence. Hmm. So I have through my junior and senior and first year of college, I went with no teeth. So I had three years there where they were rebuilding my face. Hmm. Uh, They do a surgery every six months, but um, I ended up once I was healthy enough that I could go back to work. I rode that horse again and, and ended up keeping him until he was broke and, and sold him later on. Um, But I, I definitely think that it gave me a healthy respect or fear or caution whatever you want to call it about how quickly life can end whether that be just with the horses or or in general so uh you know i think every day is a gift and we certainly have to live it that way and i know for me personally that is a real struggle when we're up and down the road and with the highs and the lows of the horse shows uh it it, you know we have a tendency to take that for granted but it 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 certainly opened my eyes to how quickly it could go away.
0: Uh, it's, that's good life advice, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely, you know, uh, an accent like that really, really opened your eyes to uh, to our reality, right? So, yeah, that, that's great, mm-hmm. great advice. Now, you're in the reining uh, world. What do you love most about reining horses?
1: You know, I think what originally drew me to the sport of reining um when I was in the 4-H through high school there, I went to a reining clinic that a gentleman named James Davison taught. And at the time I was just doing the 4-H stuff, you know, where you kind of dabbled with every different discipline. Um, but going to that clinic, I saw how James was able to do anything and everything that he wanted to do from a barrel pattern to, you know, whatever with, uh, with his reining horse. So, um, i really it it started as more of a necessity to the fact that hey you know if you can get one broke to do that they can really go do anything that you want to go do um and i i honestly in the very beginning i really wanted to do the rain cow horse but i was so bad at it that uh, the rain and really took over and took off so i i it started out as just uh you know, kind of a means to an end to get what I was riding broken enough that other people could go operate on it.
0: Then now you rolled it into a very successful career, right? <laughs> it it has
1: evolved into that, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, you know, so as an NRHA two million dollar rider, you've obviously ridden and trained some incredible horses. I mean, just the the lineup looking through your history is just just amazing. But there's one horse, Little Bay Starlight, that you've said is, is the greatest horse you've ever ridden. Can you tell us about what made that relationship so special with that horse?
1: Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that I could still say he's the greatest horse that I've ever ridden, but I can tell you he was the very first horse that I had that actually wanted to be a show horse. And there is a difference um and and it's hard to figure that out until you've gone through the whole process and actually competed with them but little bay Starlight was a horse that i bought for a customer uh that had a little bit of a rough start they took a chip out of his hawk as a two-year-old and the folks that owned him at the time maybe didn't follow a protocol exactly like we were supposed to as far as the aftercare to keep it from um getting big but you know, that's probably the only way I was able to get him bought, but that horse had a very large hawk that didn't bother him at all, but it was just a little ugly to look at. But that horse had less training than most of the stuff that was going down the road. Uh, But he really enjoyed his job and he would really, really try for me. And that horse was one of the first ones that I've had that actually went in the arena and got better than what he rode outside. Mm -hmm. So it, he was kind of the horse that made me go, wow, there is a difference between a horse that's broke to ride and can do those maneuvers and one that actually wants to be a show horse. So that has been something that I have strived for. And I've had some of those great horses that were sure show horses. And I've had some that didn't necessarily want to be show horses that I had broke enough that I could still get through the pen, but there's definitely a difference between the ones that want to help you and the ones that make you work. Uh, and if I could ever figure out how to find that out before we've spent two years training one, I would be a, a millionaire. But uh, unfortunately you have to learn that by trial and error at this point.
0: Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you do figure it out. But are are, are there any other horses that you worked with that you just had this relationship with, you know, whether they were championship horse or not and you just connected with them and it was just like a wow experience.
1: You know, I would have to say America's next gun model was, was one of those horses. Uh, I won the reign and fraternity on her and we won right around 300,000. Um, and she is now, she's produced close to 600,000 with her oldest foal only being six years old. So she's on track to, to set records as a broodmare also, but she was one that my wife and I picked out at the end of her two-year-old year. year. Uh, And my wife fell in love with her maybe even more than what I did. Um, And she was special from the beginning. She was very quirky. Uh, She, she was deaf and she had blue eyes, had the big white face. Mm -hmm. So sunlight shadows, things like that really, uh, played with her eye, So it made her a little bit tricky. It made her a little bit tricky preparing and getting ready and training because you dealt with a lot of external, um, influences that go along with that. So that mare was one that I felt like, I felt like she taught me, how to get along with the horse instead of me trying to make the horse fit me. So, and what I mean by that is, she was not going to train the way I wanted her to. I had to figure out how to make my program fit her, and I I think that has been a big uh, a big plus or advantage for my program is that. I feel like I have the ability to adapt to a lot of different kind of horses. And I feel like that mare had a big part in, in uh, laying the groundwork for that.
0: Uh, it's just, oh, you know, when, when, when you do connect with the horse and, and, and then you go off and win, I mean, wow, it's it just, uh, it's incredible to hear about now, you know, like he's like, I, like when I introduced you talking about how busy you are with four kids, your training, you're riding. You're now a television star. Can you tell us about filming the last cowboy and journey to the run for a million? Give us some you know, insight into that and how you fit that into your schedule.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, I could tell you that I feel like Taylor Sheridan, who's the, the, you know, the, the writer of all of this, um, that, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the, the writer of Yellowstone and, Uh, The run for the million was his brainchild and then the same with the last cowboy, but he has single-handedly given the reigning industry a boost like no other person in in history has done, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I I think the attention that he's brought to this sport has has certainly changed the trajectory of it. I know it's certainly changed the value of a reigning horse, Um, but for me and my wife. Um, I, I feel like we try to live our lives daily like there's people watching because there really are. So we mm-hmm. really do strive to live a life that is, uh, I, I hate to say hard to scrutinize, but that's, that's essentially what we try to do. We try to make sure that the image that we're portraying would make our parents proud and would make our kids understand the direction that life should head. So for us personally, we haven't changed a lot to make room for the TV show. Um, you know, they the film crew did a really good job of just kind of jumping in and and uh, recording our daily lives as it went. Um, I know that the first season going through, well, you know, maybe most of us guys, most of the guys that were on the Last Cowboy didn't really feel like it portrayed us the way we had hoped it would portray us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, we're, we're curious to see how this next season is going to go, but, um, it's a different crew that came this time to film. And so, you know, they, they were really good to let us voice our opinion and, uh, some frustration and stuff like that about how the way the first season went with the image that it portrayed. So, We'll see how this one goes, but th- they've been really good to work around. So for us personally, we just would go about our day and work and, and, uh, you know, it's not like we really needed to edit much to, to make it where you can sell it to the general public.
0: No, I could definitely see where, where it would help the reigning industry. Cause it's just, it's such an amazing discipline to watch. And, and, and I'm really pleased to hear that it's helping get more visibility to it and hopefully getting more young folks involved in the industry, you know, and inspiring them. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's very obvious that your horses receive the very best care on on all accounts. And we're very honored you've chosen tribute equine nutrition to be part of that. Can you just let it, you know, let our listeners some insight in what led you to choose tribute for your program?
1: Oh, boy, it started way back with a horse named Gunner's Indian, and I I couldn't even tell you what year that was, but I had had a a customer named Angelo Bertini from Florida that called me and had a horse that I knew well, and he asked me if I would try the horse, and I said, absolutely, I would love to, and he said that there's one condition, he will eat this feed. And I said, no problem. I am happy to do that. So Indian got there and, you know, looked amazing and I continued with his feed and, um, you know, I could just see a difference in the way that horse looked and the way he performed and the way he behaved, um, to the point where I thought, you know what, that's, there's gotta be something to that. And so, um, we made the switch for the whole barn and, and we've never looked back. That's been, uh, my wife just pulled it up. That was 2006. Mm -hmm. So we've fed that feed for 15 years now. And, and there's never been, there's never been one ounce of doubt that our horses were getting everything that they needed to be healthy.
0: Now, well, thank you for that. And, you know, obviously very proud of the products we put out, but you know, it, it's great to see our, our customers go off and then win and, and be very successful and, and happy, you know, healthy and happy horses and owners is what We want with that. Sure. So just, just final question, Casey, I know you're busy, you know, you're up in Ohio. How can our listeners learn more about dairy performance horses?
1: I would say the easiest way would be to get on the, on the internet, and look up dairyperformance.com. Um, my telephone is always on and I field phone calls throughout the day and uh, I do not have an email address. Thank goodness my wife does and she handles that. Uh, that's Geryperformance.com and then we're also on Facebook and Instagram, which I also have absolutely nothing to do with. so uh, they can you know they're welcome to reach out that way and I'm sure there's tons of stuff on YouTube and mm-hmm. all of that fun stuff also.
0: That is, it is out there. I I get the technology. You're like, okay, let someone else handle that.
1: (laughs) You're busy. Yeah, yeah, my phone dings nonstop between WhatsApp and phone and text. So my wife does a really good job of taking that burden off of me.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, but it, it, you know, it's needed in today's world, right? Social media and all that fun stuff. But absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, Casey Deary, thank you so much for spending some time with us. You know, giving us some insight into your world you know, good luck in the future with not only the television series, but, you know, with your career, it's been incredibly successful to date. And, you know, thank you so much for for choosing Tribute and allowing us to, to speak with you today.
1: Absolutely, Chris. Thank you for the phone call. All
0: right. Take care.
1: Mm-hmm. Have a good one.